Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and I'm one of the panel members who is here basically every week. We have a group of four people who are a part of our regular panel, Steve Wilson, Vicki Cundiff, and the person who's going to be leading our session today is Mick Wells. And Mick, you're taking off on a, what I want to call a recurring theme that we started a couple of episodes ago called, What Does the Bible Mean When It Says? And you have chosen what today? Well, I've chosen a verse, uh, a concept that has long intrigued me. And you listeners out there, you're reading your Bible, you're going to come across a verse that may puzzle you, which encourages us to be angry and sin not. That's going to be puzzling to a lot of people because you can find various vantage points on the subject of anger expressed in the, in the Scripture. Now, you'd be a rare person indeed if you said you've never been angry in your life. Uh, i got to ask... Uh, Vicky, Pete, and and Steve, uh, have you ever been angry? And if so, what caused it? I think that for me, and and I think a lot of people can relate to this, this as if someone mistreats you, mm-hmm. you know, terribly, or the mistreatment of other people. You know, one of the th- I heard something today that uh, of this just horrible abuse of an infant. And I felt the anger go through me, you know, hearing that. So, you know, things like that that you hear that can just make you angry. So mistreatment, abuse, or something that happens to you or to someone else. And one of the things that I thought of here really quick was if, if you're an impatient person, I mean, God has really helped me on my patience over the years, but you can get angry if you're impatient. You know, like, aren't you ready yet? You know, and you feel the anger come up, you know, when you get impatient. So that would be one way, too, to feel angry. Yeah, and in the secular world, too, at uh, workplaces and so forth, somebody may be referred for what they call anger management mm-hmm. sessions. Uh, so I, I think anger is generally recognized as a, as a problem that needs to be addressed. Um, Pete, did you have any thoughts? What makes you angry? Yes, Okay. Oh, every, Steve, every, no. No. <laughs> um, I, there are so many things, and, and I don't want to get too far afield here for um, what well, we're probably going to get into this a little more deeply. But the more I've thought about anger and the more that I've read about anger, especially as we've been preparing for this uh, particular episode, I realize that there are so many different types of anger, and maybe that not every type of anger is a sin. I think we're going to get into that. Um, I've heard Dr. Dobson say, Dr. James Dobson, uh, many times that anger is neutral. It's not a sin. It's not a good thing. It's just an emotion, and emotions are neutral. It's what you do with them. So when you talk about anger management, for instance, I'm still remembering a a particular television show where somebody got angry and punched his fist through a wall at the workplace, and they sent him to anger management. Well, it wasn't so much that he was angry. It's that he punched his fist through the wall. So it was the action rather than the emotion. It's that he couldn't manage his anger. Right. Yeah. See what makes you angry. A lot lot of things. 
Mm. Uh, so you've heard that you know men have problems with high blood pressure. Well, I'm normally a really calm guy, except when something small irritates me. Oh. I get angry at small things. I don't get angry at big things. I get angry at small things. So if, I don't know, if I drop something, if, uh, if just something little goes wrong, then I'll have a quick flash of anger and it's gone. But for that second, I'm pretty angry about it. Yeah. Is that why there are knuckle marks on your computer screen? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... I realize there's all kinds of manifestations of anger. There are a lot of words that are similar. I call them first cousins to anger. And what comes to mind was bitterness. And some of this is short-term, like you described, Steve. Some of it's long-term bitterness is a tough one. Uh, Hurt. Somebody's hurt you deeply. It just doesn't go away. Uh, And we have to work in... in, uh, cooperation with God, the Holy Spirit, and how to deal with this outrage. You've heard of road rage. You know, that's a flashpoint one. You know, it just doesn't build up. I don't know how you're slow to anger if somebody's swing, changing lanes and about to smack into the side of your car. You know, you immediately, uh, well, I'm speaking for myself here. <laughs> Maybe you can handle it, but I can't. One, uh, of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite words as I'm driving is, Really? <laughs> because that's what somebody, you know, just cuts right in front of me, right? When I'm about to go do something, or, you know, or go past somebody or something like that. Yeah. So I know what you're talking about. But again, I think you're you're right on point there when you're saying that there are different types of anger, different things that are long, simmering types of anger, things that get you right away. You know, one that I didn't mention that I probably should have is, have you ever been hangry? Angry? You want hangry. to hang somebody? No, no, hangry means that you're angry because you're hungry. That's bad. Oh. And once you once you eat something, it's kind of like it it settles you down. But mm-hmm. it's like because you know your stomach's been growling, maybe you haven't eaten for a while, and you're just impatient. And I think it literally has to do with chemical reactions in the body. Well, I I suspect so. You know, when I think about what makes me angry, there are a number of things, and I have to deal with this and uh, surrender my emotions and so forth to God. Vicki reminded me of one that's very sensitive to me, and she was talking about the abuse of, of an innocent child. And mine extends to animals, which I've done a program on or two here. Uh, when somebody abuses an innocent animal, I really get uh, upset. Um, and I think it's because of the innocence of, of the, the creature involved. It it just is a a flashpoint for me. Well, um, Steve, I was going to let you give the seminal uh, couple verses here from Ephesians 4 and chapter chapter 4, verses 26 to 27. Now, Paul writes, Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun set upon your anger, and do not give the devil a foothold. Yeah, um, that's instruction to us. So we are basically told if you put those pieces together, we can be angry according to uh, Paul in Ephesians. We can be angry. We're encouraged not to sin, but that anger should be dealt with right away is what it looks like. Don't let the sun go down on our anger. Uh, Speaking for myself, it's hard for me to fall asleep if I'm seething over something. I have to somehow deal with it. 
even if there's not the, a person there to express to or work it out, I have to somehow deal with it or I'm going to have a tough time falling asleep. So, yeah, the word tells us be angry, but don't let the sun set upon your anger. And indeed, later on in our program, we're going to see verses which encourage us to avoid anger, get rid of it. So it's a, it's a loaded word when you, we're told we can be angry. Um, now, Mick, I have a question. Sure. Is it saying it's okay to be angry or is it commanding us to be angry? Well... It says be angry. And in the last episode uh, where we talked about what does the Bible mean when it says this, we are talking about the verse where Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that was a command to us. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if, if I could read this as it's saying, be angry. I command you be angry, yet do not sin. That's a good question, because we're going to see a little later that Jesus himself was angry. And so if, if he's our, our model in life, not that we're empowered to forgive sins and all this, but if he's our model, we have a sanction, if you will, to be angry about things that anger him, mm-hmm. I, I would think. But to be angry as an across the board, it, it depends on what it's all about. I believe that Jesus was dealing, for example, with things that would anger God the Father. Uh, it's what we sometimes call righteous indignation. You know, it's over, it's over uh, the image or characterization of God, not just any anger. Like I, I don't think, I don't think I'm commanded to get angry out on the highways. I think that's part of my human nature that I have to deal with mm-hmm. very you know, quickly. I saw something like that just today. I was watching one of those television judge shows. And it bothers me when I see somebody who's especially like a defendant or a plaintiff or somebody, uh, one of the one of the uh, litigants, I guess is what you would call them, that seems to make their case by saying something along the lines of they're a Christian, as though that gives them more, um, you know, something on their side, I guess. And the one I was watching today is there was a lady who was. Well, God's gonna get you. I, you God's gonna get you with that. You're just gonna get that. And that's like thinking, righteous indignation, because it was, it was as I was literally not long after I read your notes talking about righteous indignation, and I'm thinking, is this righteous indignation? And then you have the other person in the in the lawsuit who didn't say anything about God, but came across very nice and talks about how human beings ought to treat each other in a more respectful way and this and that. And I'm thinking, is that truly righteous indignation? Now, I may have just taken this off onto that rabbit trail that you talk about all the time, but... Um, I just felt like I needed to say that because I, I really think there are different types of anger, almost the way that there are different types of love. We've talked about how the Greek words for love are there, but um, like four of them, yeah, yeah, four different words. I think that there are different ones, and, I, and as I was looking it up today, I'm not going to get into them all right now, but there are different words that are translated in at least some of our Bibles, angry or anger, but they're different Greek words. Yeah. Uh, the whole study of uh, origins of the words in, from the Hebrew and the Greek is, 
I think you mentioned, Steve, or, or Pete, a uh, topic unto itself mm-hmm. and all the translations that we have, you know. Um, well, I was just quoting you because you'll say that oftentimes that this is a topic unto itself. So, <laughs> You ever heard anybody say that's Greek to me? Yep. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? That means they don't understand it. Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, we have to go back non-Greek speakers and look at the Greek origins of some of these words, and anger is no exception. It's kind of a fascinating paradox there. Um, I might mention that what Steve read uh, out of Ephesians almost paraphrases a section of the Psalms. Psalms chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Be angry, yet do not sin. On your bed, search your heart, and be still. And so we're looking there at Paul probably paraphrasing a section of the psalm. Well, at this point in our program, we need to take a break to hear from our sponsors, so stay with us, and we'll be back with more Reconciling Grace. Welcome back to our program. You're tuned in to Reconciling Grace, where today our session is discussing the concept of anger, which may be clear on its surface or clear to you, but when you get into what the Bible says about it, we find various facets to this concept. Well, we're at a point now, uh, we've been talking about being angry and don't sin, which is uh, a New Testament paraphrase of a, a Psalm 4.4. Telling, be angry, yet do not sin. Now I'd like, uh, if you would, Vicki, share with us the first part of Matthew 5.22 and see what it says about anger. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Okay, now it's interesting there because the words without a cause... Uh, do not appear in many modern translation. And I got to believe that uh, King James, and I think it was Young's literal translation, have those words in there. So it qualifies it. Who's ever angry with his brother. Now that in and of itself gives us pause because the Bible talks about brothers and sisters as fellow members of the faith, fellow Christians, if you will. So it's basically saying whoever, whosoever is angry with his Christian brother or sister without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, I'm not enough of a scholar to say whether without a cause should or shouldn't be in there. i got to believe that it's a King James translation of what they call the Textus Receptus, I believe it's called. Some of the modern translations don't use that uh, as a basis for the translation. But uh, this is in the King James is implying that if you're going to be angry with a brother or sister, uh, you need to have a good reason for it and, and deal with it. Um, and I would have to say we're going to have to look at what was Jesus mad about because he got angry with his followers, his disciples. Uh, according to the scripture. Um, any thoughts on that? Well, I was let's... thinking about what a cause would be, and you know, how would you justify 
okay, this is a good cause for me to be angry with you. Yeah, in fact, it doesn't even say a good cause. It just says without a cause. Well, mm -hmm. if you're going to be anger, there's got to be a cause to it. But I think implicit is a good cause. Right. Yeah, and that's probably open uh, to speculation. It shouldn't be what the it shouldn't be representative of what the Bible talks about as as uh, malice or or hatred or bitterness that kind of thing. Uh, those things are. Uh, fleshly uh, reasons. But uh, it, it is interesting that uh, we are cautioned that we're in danger of the judgment if we're angry with a brother without a, a good cause. I say good cause. Um, now, let's look at the Greek. And uh, let me just say that the, ang the word anger in our principal verse here, be angry yet do not sin, from Ephesians 4.26. The Greek word for that, and again, I'm no expert. The Greek word for that word anger is orgizo. Now, I got angry over that because I thought they were talking about me. I read it as old geezer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, we, we uh, go to the Strong's uh, lexicon, and we find that uh, orgizo deals with anger, and the Greek language being... What it is by nature, there are all kinds of forms of the Greek word which have uh, orgizo in it or some portion of it. And what it means, according to uh, Strong's, is to provoke or enrage or to passively become exasperated or be angry or wrathful. And so uh, it's pretty clear that when we read the word anger in the Greek sense, a lot of us can relate to that, you know, with uh, like road rage, or you can find out pretty quickly when your spouse is is angry with you. Uh, let me let me just say there that uh, I find it interesting. Have you ever heard the term "mad money"? I've heard of it. Yep. You know what it is? It's money that somebody stashes away in case they get mad at their spouse, significant other, or what have you, and so they'll have something to go out shopping with or uh, to a restaurant or something. Mad money. In other words, anger is apparently so inevitable in the lives of some people that they actually plan for it and stash money for it, and they call it mad money. <laughs> kind of interesting. I guess you have to have money in order to have mad money, though. So do you have any mad money? I don't know that I have much money. <laughs> no, we have we have enough to get by, and the Lord has always blessed us. I don't want to I don't want to give that impression. But uh, no, I've I've never personally stored mad money away, though. No. Well, um, when we consider whether we're right to be angry or not, con at least not condemned for being angry over the circumstances, I have to think of Jesus. And earlier in the program, we talked about uh, Jesus became angry at, at times. Um, you know, he really went after the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew. And this may be a program unto itself, because I think my dad latched onto this for a number of reasons. He used to call people names a lot. And he felt right in doing it. And his favorite word was viper. He would call them a viper. 
I'm just going to share with you some of the things that Jesus called the scribes and the Pharisees. This is not in your notes, folks. He called them blind guides. He called them fools, which is interesting, considering there's a caution elsewhere in the Bible. If you call a brother or sister a fool, you're in danger. Um, he called them whited sepulchers, which some translations term whitewashed tombs. He called them serpents, a generation of vipers, hypocrites, and he called them unmarked graves. So I think Dad read things like that and said, well, if Jesus called somebody a snake or a viper, then I can too. But I think we have to peel it back. Why was Jesus angry at scribes and Pharisees? Is because they were passing over the spirit and intent of the law and going straight to the letter and ignoring what was righteous in the eyes of God. And they got, and uh, the uh, scribes and Pharisees got called by Jesus these kinds of names. Uh, well, one of the things that I've often noticed, and I hope this isn't getting us too far afield again, is that Jesus seemed to be the hardest on those who are supposed to know the best. Yeah. So he would get angry at these people who are supposed to be teachers of the law. He would get angry at these people who were supposed to be leaders of the Jewish people because they were supposed to know better. And he would be much more patient with people who really didn't have the knowledge, the, the upbringing. Um, for instance, people such as the, the uh, blind beggar whom he healed, who little by little throughout chapter 9 of John um, came closer and closer to Jesus to the point where he finally realized, hey, this is Messiah. And, um, you know, not saying that he was a sinner, but but I, not that he was a sinner because, or he was blind because he was a sinner, I should say, but just the fact that that wasn't the kind of person who Jesus would condemn. He didn't look at the the prostitute and say, you dirty sinner, but who did he condemn? He He got mad at the people who were condemning her. Mm-hmm. And so he would get mad at the people who are supposed to know better. When I say mad, angry. Let's use the word angry because we're talking about anger. Yeah. Well, I was thinking as you were speaking there, Pete, that uh, Jesus seemed to be a lot less tolerant of people who should have known better. Mm-hmm. And what came to mind was the, the words you see in uh, characterizing the church in Laodicea in Revelation. He got very angry, not because people were reprobate, meaning cold, said, I wish you were hot or or cold, but because you're lukewarm, and then it really shows his anger, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth, not for being reprobate, but for being lukewarm. In other words, you know better, and you're just taking it easy, that kind of thing. But you know, Mick, most of the things that he called them were descriptive. Mm -hmm. You're blind guides. You wash the inside of the cup, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Right. And it was almost like, I mean, how else was he going to let the crowds know what they were really like and not to follow them, except that he called them descriptive names so that they would know that they're phonies? Yeah, that's that's a good point, because everything he did had a purpose, and sometimes it was for the audience that was was with him. So it kind of makes us realize that name-calling, getting angry, if there's an angry, you know, like a heart problem— 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, don't get mad at your brother or sister without a cause. You know, that kind of scripture was talking about if it's a heart problem, uh, because that scripture that, you know, that I just quoted comes from do not murder and, you know, all the stuff that goes right. in it. So there's a heart problem in there sometimes. But, you know, if it's if it's something that he's trying, like a teachable kind of thing, like a descriptive thing so that people know, how else would they have known right. what they were like unless he did it this way? Sure. So I think well, he just a, did it for a point and a purpose. That's a that's a great point. Well, you know, we just looked, and I, I shared with you some names that Jesus called people, uh, well, scribes and Pharisees in particular. But there are other instances that we'll get into probably in a follow-up program of Jesus getting angry. And so... I know people out there that think that anger in and of itself is a sin. If it's anger, it's sin. And I know some people that when they're angry, they have to repent immediately. In their own mind, they have to repent immediately or they've lost their salvation. You know, this is serious stuff. So we have to look at what the Bible does say about it. So when Jesus expresses anger, is that sin? Well, I think that Vicki, you illustrated that it's it had a purpose, a constructive purpose for the glory of God, and uh, it it uh, as such was was not sin. But uh, Pete, as we get close to the, the end of this program, I wanted to share you to share First Peter two twenty two, which I think will answer this for us. Right. And again, this is the Apostle Peter talking, and he said, "For to this you are called." Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. And that's from 1 Peter 2, 22 in the NIV. And that should, I think that should frame all of our uh, conceptions of, of Jesus. I mean, I knew before I read this uh, about Jesus calling people names and, and other scriptures that we'll share later on, it, that Jesus became angry, but yet we know as a basic fact, Jesus lived a sinless life. He was perfect. And because he was perfect, the sacrifice of his life on that cross was acceptable to God for your sin and mine. And so Jesus committed no sin. So anything you find in the scripture that you might consider a sin, when Jesus did something that might approach that, um, we have to consider he lived a sinless life. So we have to reconcile that, if you will. I think a lot of this has to do with the motivation because I shared a little bit ago about the, the lady on one of the judge shows who I'm sure that she thought that she was absolutely right and she had every reason to believe that God would get this guy for this. Now, Jesus, and I think we're going to talk about this probably on our next episode, uh, but I I don't want to just leave this sitting there for people who only hear episode one. Jesus knew everybody's intention. Right. Jesus had perfectly pure intention. He had perfectly good, you know, perfect knowledge. So he was able to say these things about people, and he had a perfect understanding of how those people were. He not only knew his own motives, but he knew their motives. Their motives, yeah. And, and that's part of the problem is, is when we get, quote, righteously angry or righteously indignant or whatever, we may think 
we know another person's motive. And so that gives us the, quote, right, unquote, to be angry. And that's when we really, really, really need to examine ourselves and say, wait a minute, do I really have that right or not? Exactly. Well, that's a good point. And uh, I've certainly enjoyed looking into uh, the concept of anger in the scriptures. And as you mentioned, we're probably going to um, move into some of those other scriptures in our next program. That sounds good, Mick. And so for Mick Wells, Steve Wilson, and Vicki Cundiff, this is Pete Vecchi. We'll see you next time on Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.